It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1 800 858 858. Live. From the Toolkit Depot Studio, Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. For Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Oh, yes, brand new intro, a bit of like Michael Hutchins and NXS. Don't change, don't change that dial. Keep it right here on SENWA, whether you're listening on 657 SEN in Perth, of course, on SEN Spirit 621 in Bunbury in the southwest, 1611 is where you find us in the gold fields on SEN, DAB Plus Radio at SEN Peel or SENWA on the SEN app. Great to have your company. Sports Day is the program, and you've got access to me and also the airwaves simply through the Temper of Bedshed text machine. The number to call and text on is 0487 736 736. Uh, Bedshed, experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. WA in the Marsh Cup. This is the 50 over a side uh, competition. As we know, WA have just started superbly in the Sheffield Shield. They're doing well in all formats, really. In the ODIs, they're doing well as well. Uh, five for 232 in the Marsh Cup, 50 over a side. We're in the 43rd over, and the target is 267 to win against South Australia. And Josh Inglis, who after that golfing accident, uh, which made him miss out on the ICC T20 World Cup. He's back in the middle. He's fully recovered from the injury. He's got bat in hand, and he's 83 not out from 65 balls. Aaron Hardy, who's just been superb so far this summer, both with bat and ball. He's at the non-striker's head. He's on eight. Five for 233. We're in the 43rd over. So WA need a further 34 runs uh, to uh, record a victory against South Australia after that comprehensive win uh, over the Redbacks in the Sheffield Shield match. As we know, the FIFA World Cup kicks off midnight Sunday here in Perth. And Australian football fans are set to uh, battle sleep due to Qatar's unfriendly time zone. Uh, We'll be talking a lot about the World Cup. We have already this week because we'll be broadcasting, that is SEN, all matches in the World Cup. From the first one, which is the opening match, Qatar, the host nation, taking on Ecuador right through until the World Cup final. So a month of football, every match covered on the SEN network. And I'm looking forward to being involved in covering uh, quite a few of those, actually, with uh, former English Premier League player, former Socceroo. He was there at the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. And, of course, He was the Perth Glory coach until recent times. Richard Garcia is going to join us uh, to broadcast a lot of the matches during the World Cup. Just from a 
West Australian point of view, there are four time slots during the group stages. That's the first 10 days of competition. And games will be kicking off at 6 p.m. Perth time, 9 p.m., midnight and 3 a.m. There is a six-hour time difference between us and Doha. So the early game, which will be midday over there, will be 6 p.m. Then there's a 3 o'clock game over there, which is 9 p.m., a 6 p.m. kickoff game, which is midnight, and the 9 p.m. game uh, in the host nation, which is 3 a.m. there. Uh, and if you want to watch the Socceroos uh, against France, it'll be 3 a.m. against Tunisia, 6 p.m. And the final group game, and it could all come down to this if they do advance out of the group stages, Denmark at 11 p.m. Uh, so there you go. Generally, certainly two of the three games fairly fan-friendly uh, for those people watching here in Perth. Well, we've got a cricket game tomorrow, the first of the ODIs, Australia taking on England. And it's interesting today with Faf Duplessis, the former South African cricket captain, he's about to release a book. And let me tell you, he's been uh, pretty much uh, whack-whack to the Australian cricket team, and in particular, Dave Warner. He's come out and he's reopened old wounds with the Australian cricket team, and he's labelled David Warner a real bully, as he reflected on the infamous sandpaper scandal. Now, he's done an interview with the BBC to discuss the recent publication of his book entitled Faf Through Fire. Uh, Duplessis slammed Warner and his Australian teammates over their actions during the controversial 2018 Test Series. He says a series full of bad blood and sledging ended with another South African victory as they thumped the Aussies, if you remember, in the fourth Test by some 492 runs. He says Australia wanted to bully us. We had to stand up for ourselves. They abused us that whole game. But the way we fought back turned the series around. When discussing Warner, Duplessis had nothing positive to say. He said, and I quote, he was a bully. I don't have time for bullies. So, and Dave Warner, as we know, has come out recently and said that he'll probably finish his test career after the Ashes series next year. And there's been a lot of talk about Dave Warner and possibly giving back a leadership responsibility before he retires. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure that he's really that popular, certainly uh, amongst fellow professional cricketers. He hasn't got a great track record, has he? he? He was dropped for Australia's second match in 2013 at the Champions Trophy against New Zealand following an attack on Joe Root. Do you remember that? The event happened hours after Saturday's loss to England at Edgbaston. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning at the Walkabout Bar in Birmingham in 2013. In fact, only about a month or so after that, he was playing for Australia A against South Africa A in Pretoria. And he was involved in an off-field altercation with the South Africa A wicketkeeper. And it was deemed serious enough for the umpires to step in twice. Uh, no formal complaints were made. But Water, Water did tweet later in the day describing it as friendly banter. A couple of years later, even New Zealand captain Martin Crow called for a yellow card and the red card system for cricket to be introduced to curb Warner's thuggish on-field behaviour, saying that Warner was the most juvenile cricketer he had ever seen on a cricket field. And, of course, then we had... In 2018, during T, the first test in Durban, Warner got involved in that altercation with South African wicketkeeper Quinton de Kock. 
Uh, and then there was a couple of spectators that uh, shouted abuse at Warner, and he was charged with a level two offence for bringing the game into disrepute. And then we had that third test of the series held in Cape Town in March 2018. Uh, so, you know, when you look at it, Dave Warner's track record isn't that good. He is in the squad for the first of the ODI matches uh, tomorrow night against England. will be broadcast here on SEN uh, Network and SENWA. But I'm just thinking to myself, I reckon he's got off scot-free. And the thing that really irks me about Dave Warner, and I must confess, I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big fan. He's a very exciting cricketer to watch. His form has waned somewhat in recent times. And people have been questioning whether maybe he should retain his position at the top of the Australian order is the fact that he's about to release a book. He's about to release a book on all the happenings around Dave Warner's career. Yet, I've been reliably informed he will not, because he hasn't come out on the record at all, to discuss the incident that he was most implicated with was the Sandpaper Gate incident. He's going to brush over that. And what does that tell you? What does that tell you? So it's interesting to see uh, how it plays out. I must admit, I'll be reading Dave Warner's book just to see exactly what comes out of it and whether in any way he comes clean regarding some of those incidents. Anyway, five for 238. I think Josh Inglis has just been dismissed. So WA now in a bit of trouble in a bit of trouble in trying to get to that victory target of 267. Josh Inglis, 85 of 69 balls. He faced uh, 100 and, he was there for 104 minutes, nine fours and one six. Okay, what's coming up on the program today? We're going to do Get to Know You and we'll be speaking to a gentleman who scored some great goals for the Perth Glory, talking about Bobby Despotovsky. We're going to get to know him very well. And in fact, he was involved in probably one of the most controversial incidents in the history, in some ways, of Australian sport. Let's have a listen to how Bobby used to score goals for the Perth Glory. Deans lofts it forward. A chance here for Despotovsky. He's done it. Bobby Despotovsky has pulled the game out of the fire. And, of course, he was involved in that incident uh, against the Melbourne Knights. And we're going to touch on that, where then the Melbourne Knights president, his name was Harry Merxer, and I'll play it again when Bobby joins us, about what Bobby did in relation to a gesture on the pitch uh, that incited the Melbourne Knights fans. Have a listen to then what the Melbourne Knights president said. Like going into a synagogue and salute with a Hitler's uh, high Hitler's uh, greeting. So there you go. That was in May of 2001. So we're going to get to know Bobby Despotovsky. He had death threats levelled at him. Uh, the game, the return game against the Melbourne Knights was due to be played here in Perth. But because of security concerns, it was played actually in Launceston. So Bobby's going to join us shortly. We'll get to know him a bit better. Just an outstanding footballer and a great human being as well. Uh, there was a big press conference today regarding the big UFC uh, event that's going to be happening here in Perth in February of next year. Uh, Brett Bonetti is our UFC expert. 
and the world will be watching Perth in February 2022 when the UFC makes its return to Australia. There was a massive press conference today. Brett was there and a report on it as well. So don't go away. We've got plenty happening between now and six. Come and join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, which is 0487 736 736. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Gets you going, doesn't it? Great track. Uh, all part of Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos here on this Wednesday. Shortly, we'll get to know Bobby Despotovsky very well. But as we know, Sir Rod Stewart is coming to Australia in a big concert early next year. And comes a story, of course, he's a big Celtic fan, Sir Rod Stewart. And it's come to light that every time Celtic beat Rangers, he buys a crate of Australian wine and gives it to manager Ange Postacoglu. So the wrinkly rocker has been doing that ever since Ange took over because he's just a mad Celtic fan and, of course, has used Celtic in some of his songs, that Ange would have a few crates of great Australian wine because they've beaten uh, Rangers quite a few times in the last couple of years. Good old Rock and Rod Stewart. I'm just wondering if Bobby Despotovsky ever got gifts like that in his time. As we get to know the Australian soccer champion. Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. Yeah, Bobby Despotovsky, good afternoon to you. How are you, Pete? How are you? Do you ever get any crates of wine for doing anything special on a soccer field like Rod Stewart has given Ange Postacoglu? No, I remember once we get um, a port. I think somebody <laughs> down Margaret River did a port with um, some of the um, uh, faces of the players of the glory. Is that right? It. So it wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah got- I, I think I still have a... Um, a bottle somewhere in my house. I heard Lydia, your wife, bought about 15 bottles and she's kept them at home. Don't worry about that. Uh, of course... Uh, she, wasn't, uh, she wasn't probably... did that. Uh, uh, my father-in-law probably did that. Ah, <laughs> yes, yeah, Sam. Good old Sam, who I know very well too. <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, Bobby Despotovsky holds the all-time goal-scoring record for the Perth Glory. Just an outstanding footballer. Won the Johnny Warren medal in the season of 2004-2005. But we want to get to know you a bit better, Bobby. Um, and, you know, the early days... You were born in July 1971. You were born here in Perth, but I believe that your mum got a bit homesick. And, of course, you went back to then, your native Yugoslavia, as a young fella. Yeah, that's correct, yes. Um, She was homesick and uh, she took me back. I was nine months old baby. Um, Back then, um, I lived there all up to 1992 when I served the army and... um, you know the war started, and uh, I wasn't prepared for the war mm. or going into the into the fighting. And I went into the Australian embassy, took my passport, and um, escaped. Yeah. So you served in the Yugoslav People's Army during those Yugoslav wars. Uh, tell us about that experience. Oh, look, you know what? Um, going in the army was um, was not a bad experience. You know, it's. Uh, uh, all um, your childhood, you, you you playing with guns, you know, toy guns and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you go into the army and it's, uh, there is a real thing 
right in front of you. So, so we took it sort of a, as a play. Mm. And, um, you know, only when the war started and, um, you know, the uh, reality hit home and, um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. You know, some people went onto the, onto the front lines and stuff like that. I was lucky enough not to go. Mm. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. Did you have any uh, friends or relations that served during those uh, turbulent years in your former homeland? Yeah, my um, my cousins, um, first cousins, they were in um, in in army uh, when the bombardment of uh, NATO happened. So um, yeah, they were they were sort of fighting against the NATO. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> in one in one hand. Bobby, when you look at that, uh, you did play football while you were growing up there in the former Yugoslavia. Uh, tell us about that experience, because I even played junior football for a, a very big name in world football for many years, Red Star Belgrade. Tell us about those early years. Oh, look, you know what? Uh, um, every single uh, child in the, in the former Yugoslav uh, country is, uh, is uh, aspiring to be a footballer, and they want to uh, make a living out of, the, out of football. So that's, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't any, any different than that, but, um, you know, it was, it was very hard yaka. You need to be identified by the scouts, and uh, and then you have to be invited to the to the academy. And obviously, they spend a lot of a uh, lot of uh, time, money, and effort to um, to produce one of the one of the players, you know, from those academies that can play for Red Star, and then maybe further further their career into the European leagues. Mm. But um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was uh, it was uh, structured from um, early days. Obviously, um, we. Because we lived close to Belgrade, we always travel to training and, and school. Um, obviously, the people that are not so fortunate, they had sort of a hotel there for the kids, like a hostel, where all the meals are prepared for you. You go into normal school, plus after school, you got trainings and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's like a soccer school. Yeah. So saying that, you know, growing up uh, in the former Yugoslavia, apart from the end when the war started, uh, you enjoyed your childhood. Absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, I, I grew up in the era where mobile phones were no, no, no existent. Even, even, even the computers were, you know, Commodore 64 was the most advanced computer at that time. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, know, you know how far back that is going. So, you know, it's um, it was it was nice and free, I guess. You know, we we made our fun. We had the soccer ball and chased it all day long, and uh, you know, it was um, it was fun. Saying that, uh, and we really have got no exposure to this sport that's very strong in Europe, and particularly in the old communist countries uh, that we know. Uh, of course, it doesn't exist anymore. The communism has broken down, but the sport of handball which is big in Europe, Bobby. I believe at one stage uh, you showed a lot of potential in that sport and you had to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. I played the handball coincide with, uh, with soccer in the early days. And um, only when I um, became you know, 17, 18, 19 years of age, um, when I was really pushing for um, uh, and playing in the first team of, um, in the second division, uh, only then I had to make a decision to, um, to one has to give, give way to the other. And, um, you know, I chose to play, um, to play football rather than, than handball. But, uh, yeah, I played coincidentally. Um, on Saturday I played handball and on Sunday I played soccer, mm. which, was, um, which was great fun. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a game that is played, can be played indoor and outdoor. 
you know the the, the field is 20 by 40 meters long and it's uh, it's massive in 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 Europe yeah and there's a lot of running in it isn't there it's 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 running it's a, it's a smaller shorter sort of a run but it's uh, it's sprint and it's very physical mm. bobby uh, the family came back out to Australia. You came to Western Australia and played with Florida Athena for a while, but then you went to Victoria, played in the NSL there uh, with a couple of clubs. Uh, so you're a bit nomadic. You were trying to find your way into football in Australia before you got a call from the Perth Glory General Manager, Roger LaFour, to come back to Perth. Tell us through that period what we were searching for. Yeah, look, you know what? Um, uh, I, um, I went there on the... Um advice to go and trial for um, for Heidelberg and um, I went there and they, they wanted me to sign. So so what happened with uh, with those it's obviously at that time there is no Perth Glory and there is no National League in in, in Perth or WA. So all the players that I wanted to play National League or the highest level in Australia they had to leave and go over east. So I did exactly that. I think before me was, um, you know, even in the early days, it was Gary Marocchi that uh, first went over and, uh, and the players like that. So I followed suit and uh, went to Heidelberg, to Melbourne, spent a year and a half or two there. Uh, in between my sort of a journey over there, um, playing football, I just wanted to, to prove to people that I, that, I, that I come from the different sort of a background of football and that I can, I can, I can play on the highest level here in Australia. So that, that was sort of a, my motivation. Um, behind behind everything. Of course, you led the Perth Glory attack when you came back in the inaugural season. They were very, very uh, heady days. There were people, uh, thousands coming through to see the likes of Bobby Despotovsky score goals, and you score goals regularly for the Glory when you returned, particularly in that first season. But, Bobby, can I take you to maybe when you made more headlines than ever before uh, when you were involved in the centre of a controversy in May 2001. It was against the Melbourne Knights, uh, who were basically supported by the Croatian community, and you are playing for the Perth Glory. And you gave a gesture that reportedly became a bit offensive. Um, can you take us back all those years, and would you have taken that back if you had your time over again? No, look... Um uh, the gesture I did, the, that I did is uh, used every day, and now it's uh, it's uh, prominent and used by by Novak Djokovic and the Serbian team. So now all of a sudden that gesture becomes not offensive to uh, to Croatian people. Um, but yeah, at that at that time at that time uh, I was a scapegoat, and for them to do something stupid, uh, which they did, and um, you know there, there is no problem there. The, the one thing that um, is uh, stuck in my mind that, uh, you know, Bernstein as a coach suffered the consequence of that by, uh, by supporters kicking him and uh, spitting on him and uh, obviously the paint, paint the picture, very, very sort of a bad picture for, uh, mm. uh, for Australian football in um, what's, what's happening in Australian football here. Yeah. Obviously, in more recent years, we've seen the Sydney United club um, in the FSA Cup, only recently, two months ago, got uh, heavily fined and uh, condemned on 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 the um, social media and on the on the TV by all the commentators. And uh, you know that wasn't 
too far from uh, what happened in the early days of the NSL when I was playing. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it, Bobby? And in fact, I played a bit of this audio uh, and it just wouldn't be tolerated now, 20 years on from that uh, incident. Harry Merckska was the Melbourne Knights president and he said this when he was interviewed after the event. Have a listen to this. This is ridiculous. Like going into a synagogue and salute with a Hitler's uh, high Hitler's uh, greeting. Yeah, that was just, uh, that wouldn't be tolerated now. And of course, then there was talk about suspending you uh, because of what happened. And then you were on 6PR and I was working at the time and you made this comment regarding uh, if you were going to be suspended or not. If I'm suspended, then the Melbourne, Melbourne Knights would be kicked out of the league. So it was, it was uh, pretty strong and there was even uh, thoughts that, and I know that you just continued on with your business, uh, the professional that you were, but, you know, Roger Lafort came out as the general manager saying that there'd been a couple of death threats uh, come your way. It was a pretty uncomfortable time, wasn't it? Look, it was, um, it was uncomfortable because of those um, death threats and stuff like that, but I was, I was at no point uh, in danger. Um, I had um, Serbian contingent guarding my house, so there was no... There was no way that somebody is going to come and, 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 and get to me at that time. So, so all that is past. And, um, you know, that, uh, that comment by, um, by Melbourne Knights uh, um, president, you, you've, seen, you've seen how deep and how uneducated he is. <laughs> so on the, on, the, on, on the end of the day, that, that's fine. So it's uh, each to their own. You know, it's, um, on, on, on the end of the day, they, um, they could not respect my sort of... Uh, um, background, but we had to respect the days. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that's how it is. Obviously, now that is all settled and um, everything is settled down, and uh, people live, um, you know, again in in peace in those uh, in those sort of uh, um, former Yugoslav republics, uh, everything is forgotten. You're right, Bobby. Of course, uh, we move on. You became the most successful strikers in the now defunct Australian National Soccer League. You're an out and right star, and you are the equivalent of the, you know, the Chris Judds, uh, the Nat Fifes, the Lance Buddy Franklins. If we can look at Australian rules football, you were the celebrity. You were the big name, and uh, of course, one of the all-time greats, holding that goal-scoring record for the Perth Glory. They were fantastic times, weren't they, for the club? Big crowds, success, and you look where the club is now. It's almost like chalk and cheese, isn't it? Yeah, look, you know what? Those those days was um, was novelty. You know, Nick Turner and Paul Upcross gave people of Perth something to cheer about. You know, and uh, we all um, came back to play for this great club that they formed. And uh, you know, we knew where we come from. We were here for the right reasons. We are, we are never in this for any money or anything like that. Yes, we got paid, um, and we got paid well. Don't get me wrong. But uh, on the end of the day, we were, we were living in WI. And like I said numerous times, we, we knew probably more than half of these people that come to support us. Mm. We have sort of an emotional attachment to them. They supported probably some of us when we played in the local um, leagues and stuff like that. So, so there was no, there was no sort of a sense in us going onto the park and 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 stuff up. We would give 150 percent. Sometimes that was good enough. Sometimes it wasn't. But if we we were respected by uh, by those 17, 18, 20 thousand people. No, it was uh, it was great days, and let's hope they return 
in the not-too-distant future. And, Bobby, as we let you go, you made such a significant contribution to football in this state. Uh, as I said, one of the icons of the Perth glory. You spent about five or six seasons in charge of the Perth glory women's team, and many say, and she says it herself, Sam Kerr, that you were responsible for a lot of her development. Uh, how much pride do you take in when you see what Sam Kerr is doing these days? Oh, look, um, absolutely, um, absolutely champion. You know, he, she, she worked very hard to get to where she is. I did play a small part in that development of hers, and, uh, and hopefully, um, you know, uh, in, the, in the future, like I predicted, that she's going to become the number one player in the world. Obviously, she's hovering about number two and number three all the time, but it will come um, for her to become the, the, the number one in the world, especially now that she established herself in the European League. Well, you're a great family man. Uh, your wife, Lydia, of course, a great supporter of yours. I think you've got three boys. Any of the boys likely to become the next Bobby Despotovsky mark too? Look, um, uh, they all play in their own right. So one playing the first division, one is uh, coaching and playing uh, sort of amateurs. And the uh, youngest one, Sebastian, is at the Glory Academy now in, in under 20s. So, so I guess um, Chris Coyne and, uh, and, and the people at the at uh, Academy, who, whoever is at, at Academy now, um, they are responsible to bring that, this next uh, lot of people up. And, um, you know, they, they, did, they do install very, very um, sort of a strict regime with the, with the young kids, which I like, by the way. And, um, you know, they're training um, heavily and, and, and hard for um, maybe next Damien Mori, maybe next um, Andre Gumprecht or, or <laughs> Nicky Merger or or whoever, you know, just just to bring people up. Next, Bobby Despotovsky would be pretty good as well. Bobby, thanks for joining us. Uh, our listeners have got to know you a bit better, other than just being, of course, a Perth Glory uh, star. Can I ask you, the World Cup starts midnight Sunday, our time. Your thoughts on how the Socceroos are likely to fare? Look, um, they've got um, France... I believe in the in the first game and in, then in Tunisia the and, and Denmark. And Denmark, yes. Um, you know what? I, I'm expecting Okai going against Tunisia. I don't expect anything from uh, from Denmark and 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 France game. But you know, un, unknown sort of a team at this point of time. A lot of local talent. Uh, they're going to be unknown to the opposition as well. And they can sound, um, you, you know, Denmark. They can sound um, France if they relax. Uh, Australia uh, has a couple of attributes, which is fight hard and fight for 120 minutes, even though you play night. Yeah. Which is which is good attribute to have. And maybe they're gonna sound couple of couple of teams. Well, Bobby, you played for the Socceroos as well, so uh, a celebrated career. Thanks for joining us, mate, and uh, we look forward to keeping in touch here on SENWA. No problem. Thanks, Pete. Good on you. Bobby Despotovsky, we got to know him a bit better and certainly that very turbulent period about 20 years ago. It's 26 to 6 and congratulations to WA. They've just beaten South Australia in the 50-over Marsh Cup match. I'll give you all the details after the break.
Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight-seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Yeah, great to have your company. Good win by WA2, chasing 267 in the Marsh Cup 50-over-a-side match at the Wacker. They got there, one by two wickets on the back end of 85 from Josh Inglis in his return to cricket. Uh, 55 from Josh Phillippe, 43 Cam Bancroft coming in at number three. And it was Andrew Ty with a boundary that got uh, WA to victory, uh, finishing at eight for 270 of 48.3 overs. So uh, a good performance by WA, uh, winning the match with nine balls uh, remaining. All right, uh, a big day today, actually, at RAC Arena. And this man was down there. The world, uh, as we know, will be watching Perth in February of next year when the UFC makes its return to Australia on Sunday, February 12th for UFC 284. Joining me on the line is a man who is across the all the UFC news and probably knows more about the UFC and MMA than anyone else in Perth. In fact, anyone else in the country. In fact, anyone else in the world. Uh, welcome, Brett Bonetti. How are you? <laughs> Good afternoon, Peter. Great to join you once again. <laughs> I heard some of the press conference today uh, in preparation to have a chat tonight, and uh, your voice was heard asking a lot of the questions. So tell us what was like at the UFC press conference at the front of RAC Arena today. Yeah, I was hogging the mic a fair bit, but I couldn't help myself. But, uh, yeah, David Shaw, the Senior Vice President uh, of uh, International Content for the UFC, but also Alexander the Great Volkanovsky and uh, Robert the Reaper Whitaker. So they were there. It was nice to see Arabella from the UFC uh, in Perth as well. And, uh, look... You know, nine fights have been announced so far for UFC uh, 284 in February, and eight of the nine fights so far have Australian representatives in them. So uh, that's a record. That's going to be a record for the most amount of Australians on a card, uh, and there's still more fights to be announced. That's amazing. So that's a new record for Australian fighters on a UFC card. Yes, yeah, so I believe the previous record was seven, and I believe that was in Melbourne for uh, Whitaker and uh, Adesanya, and uh, and uh, I think they've already beaten that with the fights they've announced. So uh, yeah, can't wait for this one. Alexander Volkanovsky, uh, what was his thoughts on his title fight at UFC 284 here in Perth? Yeah, he's excited, and, and, and fans should be excited as well because he's, he's chasing history. Only the fourth person to hold two title belts exactly the same time if he gets the job done, but he's got a tough Islam Makachev to deal with. Uh, very tough fight, and he's going up in weight as well, but he's confident and uh, and he's going to be disciplined in, uh, in his training, and uh, he's looking forward to the challenge. He wants to... He, he's daring to be great, and uh, and I, again, he's going to give himself every chance because he's a you know magnificent fighter and a number one uh, pound-for-pound fighter in the planet. Unbelievable. Tell us about the fight announced for the co-main event. I believe that Alexander's thought on the fight were pretty positive. Yeah, well, yeah, what surprised me, this, this actually has surprised me a bit because the interim UFC featherweight championship will be on the line. Of course, Alexander Volkanovsky holds the UFC featherweight belt. So again, he's going up to, uh, to, to face Makachev for that lightweight strap. But Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett will be fighting for that, uh, that interim belt in the co-main event uh, at UFC 284. So the reason why I was surprised with it, because Dana White not long ago said that they probably won't 
be an interim belt, and I don't think there should be because Alexander Volkanovsky has been a active champion, so there's no need for it. But um, you know, they've, they've announced it. He doesn't mind because he knows he's the real champ. That was his mm. attitude. It's a great attitude to have. Uh, but I think that will be a good fight between Rodriguez and Emmett. But uh, but yeah, whether I agree whether it should be an interim title fight or not. You know, that's uh, that's my opinion, but uh, but at least we get another title shot, uh, title fight in Perth either way. You mentioned that Aussie Robert Whitaker was down there. He's got a pretty tough fight coming up, also, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, and uh, he's in a tough spot as well because look, he, he takes on a tough Brazilian in Paulo Costa. Is that his up and ups and downs? But very polarizing figure and a very tough fighter as well. But if Robert Whitaker wins this fight in February, he leaves no doubt. He's a, I think he's left no doubt at the moment. You probably heard me at the press conference saying that he's he, he's the clear number one contender as it is. So he's taking a risk taking this fight. But the more interesting thing is what happened with uh, Alex Pereira defeating Israel Adesanya in a fantastic fight at UFC 281 on Sunday Mm. because again it puts Robert Whittaker in a bit of a holding pattern if he wins that fight he probably would have had a clearer path to fight Adesanya because there was no one else to fight but with with Pereira winning, Adesanya's done enough to earn the immediate rematch, in my opinion, whether people like that or not. Um, because even though he has defeated uh, Israel twice in kickboxing, it's a different discipline. This is the UFC. So uh, he might actually have to wait a little bit longer if they uh, they, they order that rematch. Mm. Brett, just quickly, a couple of final questions. I know his father in Tony, but Jack Della, the Perth-based fighter, he fights uh, Danny Roberts, I see, in Vegas this Sunday. What are your thoughts on that? And no doubt Dad and the family might be in Vegas watching the young fella go around. Yeah, Jack Della Maddalena is the real deal. Perth's own, an eternal MMA product. Look, he should take care of Danny Roberts. He'll go in as a really big favourite. He's the first fight on the main card on Sunday. And look, if he gets the victory, there is no doubt, put it down right now, Jack Della Maddalena will be on UFC 284 in Perth. But he'll wow. have to take care of business. He'll, he'll have to take care of business and do it well uh, on, um, on Sunday, and he'll be there. The only risk is that even if he wins, if he gets injured. There's always a risk in the fight game, but uh, but I believe he'll get it done. He's had two first-round knockouts so far, so he'll probably go for a third and have his sights set on Perth. Finally, get your crystal ball out. You're pretty good with this. Are there any other fighters you predict will get announced for UFC 284 soon? Oh, I think so, but look, I want a female fight because we ne- we haven't had one in Perth yet. So obviously in 2019 uh, there wasn't one. So I'd like to see Jessica Rose Clark uh, get uh, get a Guernsey. I would have obviously preferred King Casey O'Neill, but she's out injured with a knee at the moment. But the one that I think that will get named is Kai Kara France. Uh, he is basically he is a New Zealander, but we like to claim him as our own. He's coming off an interim uh, title loss, but he might be a, a smoky get on this card in Perth. Good old stuff, Brett. When do tickets go on sale for the big event next February? Public sale goes on uh, on Friday. If you got uh, your early code through UFC.com, they go on tomorrow at 10. So, But for everyone else, public on Friday, 10 a.m., get your tickets. It will be a sellout. Do not wait. Yeah, it will be a sellout. It'll go very quickly. Don't worry about that. Good on you, Brett. Uh, you're a champion. Thanks for bringing us up to date. 
Thanks, Peter. Enjoy the fight. Yes, we will. Thanks, Brett Bonetti here, our UFC and MMA expert. Uh, for Ty Power, buy three and get one free. He just loves it. There's no better guy in the game. He gets it all. He gets the, the news, breaks it first, and there's a lot of people that follow the UFC and MMA out there. Don't worry about that. Buy three, get one free and selected Falcon all-terrain tyres at your local tyre power. As you've heard, Melbourne United player Isaac Humphries has revealed he is gay during an emotional speech to his NBL teammates. The Matildas have defeated Thailand 2-0 to finish the year on the longest winning streak of Tony Gustafsson's coaching tenure and to confirm positive signs ahead of next year's uh, World Cup on home soil. By the way, she scored again, did uh, Sam Kerr. And Rory McIlroy remains hopeful that the fractured state of golf between established tours and the Saudi-funded Live Golf can heal, but said that probably would not happen until two lawsuits are decided and Greg Norman is no longer involved in Live Golf. Interesting. Uh, by the way, uh, get behind the Perth Wildcats. They play tomorrow night. We'll have a full preview, no doubt, uh, during uh, SENWA programming tomorrow from breakfast. Uh, get your tickets tonight. Head to tickertech.com. AU. 13 to 6 here on Sports Day. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Sports Day with Peter Vlahos for Kia, the eight seat Kia Carnival, a grand utility vehicle. Yeah, great to have your company on this Wednesday. Yeah, we could have something a bit special for you tomorrow night. We're working on it right now. It involves a AFL champion who's going to play his first game since retiring. And we're working on that to, to bring it to you on Sports Day tomorrow. Stay tuned. Uh, by the way, McHappy Day's not far away. Show your support for McHappy Day by purchasing a pair of silly socks from Maccas. For only $5, money raised will go towards Ronald McDonald House Charities as they continue to help uh, seriously ill or injured children and their families. I mentioned just before the break that Rory McIlroy remains hopeful, just like with World Series cricket and the establishment back in the late 70s, early 80s, that the state of golf between the established tours and the Saudi-funded LIV Golf uh, can heal. But he reckons it probably won't happen until two lawsuits are decided and that Greg Norman is no longer involved in live golf. I think Greg needs to go. I think he needs to just exit stage left. And look, he's, he's made his mark, but I think now is the right time to, to sort of say, look, you've, you know, you've got this thing off the ground, but no one's going to talk and, unless you know, there's an adult in the room that can actually try to mend fences. There you go. Rory McIlroy, certainly not a fan of Greg Norman, and he's one of the ones that's been strongly opposed to live golf. As I mentioned, back to cricket, a good win by WA, uh, eight for 270. They got to the winning target, which is 267 set by the Renegades with nine balls remaining. A great performance there by Josh Inglis, 85, which is also positive signs for the Australian cricket team. As we know, he was ruled out because of that golfing accident in the uh, T20 World Cup. He returned with the bat today and batted exceptionally well. And the other big concern for the Australian team at the moment is the fact that Glenn Maxwell, as we know, fractured his leg at a 50th birthday party at the weekend and he's working feverishly, possibly, to get back for the series against India in February. This is what the Australian cricket coach Andrew McDonald had to say about that. 
I think it becomes tight. I mean, as people would know that any rehab that you go through, you've got to, got to hit the markers as you go along and any type of setback can put you back in terms of the time at the back end of it. So it'll be really about how, how he can settle the pain, uh, start his rehab, um, and then if everything goes well, uh, the time frame is realistic, um, we think. Um, they haven't put a definitive time frame. They always give you a bracket of, of weeks. Um, so, yeah, so there, there is somewhere in that the, the opportunity potentially to to push his case for that. And the other thing is that we're over there for an extended period of time. We've got a big gap between test matches two and three also. So, look, it could look like missing the start of the tour and, and being available for the back end as well. Um, so there are some options there. But first and foremost, he's got a long way to go, step by step, work his way through that. And, um, and our thoughts are with him as he, as he progresses through that. Andrew McDonald there, the uh, coach of the Australian cricket team, talking about Glenn Maxwell. That's the program. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I'll be back again tomorrow from five for another edition of Sports Day. Uh, and hopefully we'll have that uh, very interesting story about a champion AFL footballer, a Brownlow medalist that may be playing his first game since he retired. We're working on that with our gun producer there, Jimmy Williams. Thanks, Lee, also for your help today. Hope you've enjoyed the program, ladies and gentlemen. As I said, back again from five o'clock tomorrow, right through here on the SENWA network. Have a great Wednesday night. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.